Hi, everybody. From Atlanta, we welcome you to this week's edition of a Trophy Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, and our podcast is brought to you by Warner, the official sponsor of the Warner Ladder, Naismith Coach of the Year Awards, and the official ladder of professional contractors everywhere. Warner, the number one pro ladder. Step up your game with Warner Ladder. And go to stepupwithwarner.com to learn more. Well, we come to you a, a day later than usual on this Thursday, as last night we got the news, finally, about the official start time for men's and women's college basketball for this season. It will be November the 25th, with practice backed up to October the 14th, and the new season, it feels like today, is just around the corner. And to that end, we have with us this week, John Rothstein the college basketball insider for CBS Sports Network, cbssports.com, and the MSG Network. And John not only has his own podcast, College Hoops Today, but is one of the leading college basketball insiders. He works with us at Naismith as one of our selectors, and we were happy to get John on the line late last night to talk about the events of yesterday and his thoughts on the up-and-coming 2021 college season. So without further ado... Here is college basketball insider John Rothstein. Great to have John Rothstein on the line with us as we talk about this uh, this day in college basketball. And, and what a day, John, it has been. We finally get the word that November 25th is going to be the start date for the season. Practice begins in mid-October. And in this age of the pandemic, we finally got something that feels like we can hold on to for once. Yeah, we definitely do, Bob, and it's great to be with you. And, you know, I think you know, there's been so much negative thoughts, negative feelings, negative energy in 2020, and now we point towards November and, you know, the start of the 2021 college basketball season, and people in college basketball right now are celebrating today as like a national holiday, and I think it will continue to trend towards that when we get to November 25th, which is going to redefine Thanksgiving Eve. No doubt. It's like the old days. Uh, you know, the magic date was October 15th to start practice, and generally college basketball began Thanksgiving weekend, so this is kind of a throwback for those of us who remember those days. Yeah, no, it is, and, you know, I know that there's a lot of coaches across America that are concerned that they're not going to have enough practice time and so on and so forth, but you used to have three weeks of practice time. You went hard for two weeks, you scrimmage, and then you played, and that's kind of what we're going to see here again uh, this season. So, John, bring us up to date on what you're hearing. I know you've been on the phone all day uh, around this story. Uh, first of all, let's begin with the Pac-12 and what you're hearing from the West Coast as to this start date. You know, I tweeted this uh, earlier on Wednesday, I mean, with the statements by the governors of both Oregon and California saying that, you know, I think you know they're looking forward to having the Pac-12, you know, players, you know, resume, obviously, you know, workouts and so on and so forth, and that they should be able to move forward with certain practices. I think it's inevitable right now that the Pac-12 is going to follow suit and join the party and be part of this golden window for college basketball. I would expect an announcement in a timely fashion sooner rather than later. So I think for all intents and purposes, you're going to see the Pac-12 join the party here. You know, I don't know exactly when it's going to be, but, you know, they're looking to walk back, I think, what they announced on August 11th. Well, I know that's a great sigh of relief. 
uh, for college basketball fans out west, no doubt about that. As we get ready to revamp and restart, uh, of course, the Glamour tournaments take place prior to Thanksgiving, most of them, uh, thinking of New York, Charleston, Maui, etc. What are your sources telling you? How can this all come to pass, and does it fit in now this year? Well, in terms of what's going to potentially happen with Orlando, you're going to see eight different tournaments down there during that stretch at the start of the college basketball season. Maui, I'm told, you know, will obviously have to adapt because their television window is going to change, and their television window is usually the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of that feast week. Now it's obviously going to be a little bit different because the season's starting on Wednesday. But Maui, from what I've, told, from what I've been told according to my sources, was expected to pick between Asheville and Indianapolis. And then, you know, you're going to see, you know, eight ESPN-related events and several multi-team tournaments in that Orlando bubble here at the start of this. I don't know exactly what the schedule is going to look like, but, I mean, that, that is definitely the plan. So you think that the Orlando bubble that we have seen run so successfully for the NBA will be extended to college? And do you see these tournaments all running concurrently or over a period of weeks? Well, I think you're going to see, you know, over a couple of weeks, you know, the people in Orlando. But, you know, with the, with the, with the situation you have, you know, Bob in Orlando with some of the capabilities to play multiple games at a time, you're going to, you know, be in a situation where you are going to be able to get a lot of inventory in quickly. And then because, for all intents and purposes, you know, other teams are going to be there beyond what you're, you know, have in your bracket of your tournament, you might be able to pick another game or two up down there as well. So it's unlike anything else we've seen, I think, in terms of the science, but it's a situation I think we have to have given COVID-19 to get the inventory and needed to seed the NCAA tournament. Now, the Division One Council said today that the number of regular season games will be reduced from officially 31 to 27. I'm thinking the, the tournament games in Orlando and elsewhere will be exempt, count as one. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, the NCAA sent out a release where you can play 20, 24 games plus three, you know, in an MTE, 25 plus two, or just 25 regular season games. The NCAA has sent out that release. Now, let's look forward to the tournament. Uh, we're still on track to get to Indy at the same time, same date, same place? Yeah, everything is on point right now moving forward with the tournament being in March and early April. You know, the NCAA knows knows that, uh, that you know, that's the sweet spot for college basketball. So there are no plans to delay, delay the NCAA tournament as of now. Well, thank goodness. Boy, we have – that was a jolt to our system uh, last year. So with all this said, uh, here we come. Uh, in a few months, we'll be getting the college basketball season underway. And thank you, John, for uh, being uh, on the Naismith uh, voting panel. Uh, let's talk about the top players. Obviously, it starts with Luca Garza, but there's a lot of talented guys that we can keep our eye on. Who's got your eye at this early juncture? You know, Remy Martin at Arizona State, I think, is, has a chance to be a first-team All-American and also a player who, for all intents and purposes, you know, you know, could be the Pac-12 preseason player of the year, should be the Pac-12 preseason of the year. Obviously, Io DeSumo from Illinois coming back is just, you know, a major, major coup, not just for 
the Big Ten, but for but for Illinois basketball, I think Illinois has got a chance to have their best team since you know went to the national championship game 15 years ago, and then you know found itself you know within inches of beating North Carolina. Jared Butler of Baylor as well, and then another player out of the Big 12, Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State, who right now is not eligible for the NCAA tournament, but somebody who I think would have been the top overall pick in the NBA draft if he came out of college this year. What kind of player is Cade? I'm anxious to watch him. Six, seven point guard, great size, makes everybody better, can guard multiple positions. And he and Isaac Likely, who is obviously the other guard in Oklahoma State, will be one of the more prolific, you know, backcourt combinations, not just in the Big 12, but nationally as well. Um, I wanted to ask you about some of the teams, and you touched on them briefly, but, um, you know, the one thing that, you know, has really captured my fancy in terms of the changes, of course, is is UConn. Um, you know, it's it's um, it's just so interesting, John, you know, that the Big East had such an amazing run. Uh, the Obviously, the passing of Coach Thompson brought a lot of it back uh, this summer as we talked about it with Coach Bayheim, etc. But uh, the Big East takes a backseat to no one. That thing has just, not only did it get off to a great start at a perfect time, but through the years, uh, with all the changes, the Big East remains one of the elite conferences in college basketball. And it didn't start that way, Bob. You know, the 13-14 season, when the Big East, you know, for all intents and purposes, kind of got going, you know, they struggled. They only had four teams in the NCAA tournament. And that year, the Atlantic 10 had six. And there was some chatter in college basketball circles that maybe, you know, the Atlantic 10 would overtake the Big East. It obviously hasn't happened, but you've had two national champions, you know, out of this league, Villanova both times in 16 and 18. And now you raise the bar of the league with the addition of UConn. Now you go to a 20-game double-round-robin format like the ACC, like the Big Ten. And now I think what you're going to start to see is Villanova has had sporadic challengers in this league at the top, Xavier, Seton Hall, Creighton. UConn can be a consistent sparring partner at the top of the league with Dan Hurley, and that rivalry would just be absolutely sensational for everybody involved in college basketball if that could really evolve. Speaking of conferences, um, your take, I know you on your podcast, the College Hoops Today podcast, that I encourage everyone to download and subscribe. This week you talked a lot about uh, the Big Ten. Last week it was the ACC. Just give us a thumbnail of the big boys and, and what you see. The Big Ten, in my opinion, has a chance to be the best Big Ten I've ever covered. The league would have gotten 10 teams into the NCAA tournament last year. The league is deeper than it was a season ago. The Big 12 should be sensational. Five potential top 25 teams in Kansas, Baylor, West Virginia, Texas, and Texas Tech. The ACC should be deeper than it was last year with a top-heavy league last year. I think the SEC, you know, has... A few teams at the top that look NCAA ready, you know, the depth of the league I think will be better, but the question is how much better. And the Pac-12, Bob, to be honest with you, on paper I think has a chance to compete with its record of seven NCAA tournament teams, which it had in 2016. I think this could be a banner year for the Pac-12, but the key to achieving that is doing what? playing meaningful non-conference games so you have the inventory needed to put together a resume 
and get yourself and your conference in position as the most possible team in the NCAA tournament. Given the fact that non-conference games are going to be reduced in some fashion, John, how do you see that playing out when it comes to decide uh, the tournament uh, uh, field? Because, you know, there's so many conferences that can play, you know, 18, 20 conference games if they so choose. Uh, How do you see all that playing out? Well, I think it's going to be a lot of trial and error for, you know, operations guys and people who are putting together schedules over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be an inexact science. So I think, you know, when you look at things, it's going to be a lot of, you know, obviously (laughs) crossing things out and making sure you write things down in pencil, not pen, because people have pre-existing contracts, and those contracts, you know, obviously need to be honored first unless there's going to be a situation where it's going to cost you money. So I think you'll see a, a mix of different things here as we continue to try and set some, you know, groundwork for the upcoming season. We'll have to get David Warlock on next week and he'll let him explain. Absolutely. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we thank you for what you do for us, uh, first and foremost. And uh, we love your podcast. We love seeing you on CBS Sports and all their different branches. And and thanks for being a part of Naismith. We really do uh, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks, Bob. Talk soon, man. That will do it for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. And circle that date, November the 25th. Our podcast brought to you by Warner, the official sponsor of the Warner Ladder Naismith Coach of the Year Awards and the official ladder of professional contractors everywhere. Warner, the number one pro ladder. Step up your game with Warner Ladder. Go to stepupwithwarner.com to learn more. From Atlanta, Bob Rathman saying so long.